Amen. What a privilege to worship together. I pray that you're filled to overflowing today. Now we have the privilege of learning and studying together, and we're in the middle of a series that we're calling Heart Check. We've been actually doing this for 12 years now, and it is a ministry that is really to bless others. It is a campaign to raise money for mission, to really love on and care for others. And so each week we want to just highlight some different ministries that we're partnering with. And so I want to show you this video uh, as we look at the city of Buffalo and Brad Belleville and his leadership there. As part of this next heart check, we have many wonderful partner ministries in Buffalo that we are excited to press on with. We've had a great relationship for several years with 716 Ministries Work Readiness Program. They train men and women for jobs in the construction and retail fields while mentoring them and building relationships to introduce them to Christ. They are developing a brand new hands-on training center on the east side of Buffalo. We'll be able to help them hire a director for that to make that program successful. Buffalo Adult and Teen Challenge is a new partner for us this year. They have an amazing ministry that reaches those caught in the grip of drug and alcohol addiction. We will be helping fund their residential treatment facility where they serve up to 24 adults in a Christ-centered recovery program. Buffalo Urban Ministry Partnership, or BUMP, provides a home and training for young adults serving as missionaries in our city. This past year, two of our young adults were involved with great benefit to their own spiritual growth. As part of HeartCheck, we'll be helping BUMP convert the basement of their housing facility so they can have increased revenue and become a self-sustaining ministry. One of our great partners is People Against Trafficking Humans, or PATH. They offer a refuge for women and children in our city who have been exploited or the victims of sex or labor trafficking. PATH's Enrichment Center is a place they can go and connect to critical services that provide a path to wholeness. We will help PATH meet their personnel and facility costs as they move into a larger, new facility. Seneca Gospel Mission and Promise Valley Farm helps feed families in a needy area of Buffalo and have impacted many people this past summer. They train young people and families in proper nutrition, sharing with them the wonders of God's provision through Bible stories and personal examples. As part of our campaign, we'll help them continue the nutrition and spiritual education programming, increase the size of their farm to feed more people, and create a new micro-enterprise to train youths in war and life skills. We are so excited and blessed to be able to support and serve so many organizations doing kingdom work right here in Western New York. Your involvement can make a positive difference in someone else's life. It is a privilege to press on with these partners. Well, and I have the privilege this morning of introducing someone who many of you probably already know, but this is Julie Palmer, and we just heard about PATH. She's the executive director of PATH. Julie, it's so good to have you here this morning. It's great to be here. So, Julie, you've been, at, we were just talking back there, and I think this gives context. How long have you been here at Watermark? Because she's not just visiting today. You've actually been here a, a while. I have been here for 32 years. Is that, is her mic on? It's good on this side. So, so Julie, I'm just a little technical difficulty maybe. But you know, you've been working on... my mom's voice. 
you can use your mom voice. We all know the mom voice. So Julie, you've been working on with PATH for a number of years, and you, can you specifically tell us through this hard check what you're hoping to accomplish as you minister to the, the population you minister to? So PATH originated actually, historically, this church has actually been a big part of our development. And so that's what makes this really special as God laid this on my heart in 2011. And then through that process, the church came alongside not just financially, but personally and in development and through prayer. And so in that period, we became a 501c3 non-for-profit, and our mission is really addressing human trafficking through education, prevention, and restoration. And then in 2015, God gave us the vision, gave me the vision to open the Enrichment Center. And so that's where we provide support services to women, men, and youth who have been affected by sex and labor trafficking, and we address them physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Hello. Is that there? Oh, there it is. So really, you don't do anything at all, right? You just sit around and it's really... Bonbons. Bonbons. You just sit in your office, I know. But we were just talking back there, too. The pandemic has impacted PATH in some significant ways. Why don't you just talk about the realities that the pandemic has brought to PATH? Unfortunately, during a pandemic, human trafficking doesn't end. And so we really actually saw a lot of decline in the people we served, that a lot of the progress that was made was set back through increased mental health issues, relapse in addictions, perpetrators really taking advantage of this crisis. And unfortunately, we're seeing a huge increase in our youth program. We've had more youth referrals in the past few months than we ever have had in the five years we've been doing the Enrichment Center. And so that's part of what we're asking for support from Watermark is to help enhance that program and do a tutoring program. As you may know, a lot of people are remote learning. Buffalo City schools are fully remote. So we're seeing a lot of problems with that as their guardians don't have the capacity to help keep them stable. And so we're really looking to expand that program, expanding our art and our music programs, and also looking for some support for the facility, uh, enhancing our security systems so that everybody coming feels safe. So as Watermark, we have an opportunity to really impact the lives of, of dozens and hundreds of kids, youth and adults on the west, on the, throughout the city, not just the west side, as human trafficking is, is ramping up right now. Um, that's so, it's so haunting, isn't it, that that reality exists right here, not only in the city, but in the suburbs as well. It, it's all of us who are dealing with that issue. Yeah, and I think, though, the amazing part of the story is even though that's an awful thing, during a pandemic, God gave us a building. Mm -hmm. And so it's really remarkable to me that that happened about a year and a half ago. I met a godly philanthropist in the community, and he had heard about our work. He gave us $10,000 and then called me a few weeks later and said, could we have breakfast? So I was like, well, of course. So we had breakfast, and he said, we buy buildings for ministries, and God's put it on my heart to buy Path a building. And so we spent a year looking for a building. Last fall, we found one that would fit our use, and the seller got delayed. They were moving. Their new location got delayed. And so I thought we were kind of done. You know, the pandemic hit, and I was like, okay, this is going to get put off. And April 1st, the donor called me and said, Julie, we closed on the building. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that an incredible God story? 
a building that'll serve uh, the building well. double the square footage, 6,000 square feet, two floors, allowed us to already expand the work we're doing and allows us for the spacing and distancing. We were crammed in the space we were in before, and so now God's really, it's been amazing. We renovated and moved in July, so during this pandemic, God does things. I think that's a testament to what God will do. Mm-hmm. When we may think, you know, my, my head was thinking this is terrible timing, and God knew it was great timing. So how can we be praying for you and PATH as we move forward? What does that look like? What are the specific requests? Absolutely. would say, you know, pray for our staff, our team. You know, it's been a difficult year. While God's provided the building, we see um, a lot of heartbreaking things with our clients, so praying for them, praying for the people we serve. Um, and just the real, really, the enemy's not happy with what we're doing. And I think the team will feel that a lot and feel a lot of that opposition. So just a lot of prayer for the work, for God to fulfill his purposes through us. So I'm going to pray for Julie, but would you please commit to praying for her and PATH as well? There's a there's a table out in the lobby that you can learn more information and how to get involved. You can go on their website, and there's all kinds of information there, too, on how you can be a part of what's happening. Let me pray for Julie. Father, we thank you for how you're using PATH, for the impact it's making in our city and actually our entire area. And Lord, as Julie leads her team, as she, she looks into um, the pain of others, Father, I pray that you would strengthen her. That as she deals with cases and stories, the likes of which many of us would just crumble under the weight of, Lord, give her the strength to keep going, to put one foot in front of the other each and every day. And Lord, may her walk with you, guide her in all she does. And Father, I pray that path would impact the lives of, of dozens and then hundreds of people in our city. As they're, as they're struggling and looking for help for the, the dangers they found, the trafficking issues that they may find themselves in. Lord, use PATH to help them get out of that situation, but also to be a path, actually, to you, Father. So we thank you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you all join me in thanking Julie for the work she does and how tirelessly she does it? Thanks. What a privilege to be a part of what God is doing, uh, not only here in this region, but in Buffalo, into the rest of the world. And um, you may wonder, why, why would we do heart check? Why are we trying to raise money during a pandemic? Well, we, we talked about this last week. This is who we are. We're blessed to be a blessing, and we're going to do it with, as we talked about last week, by heart check is really two things. It checks our heart to ask us, do we trust God? Or are we going to trust our ways? In the midst of a pandemic, the ways of human, the humankind, is to take what you have and control it and just hide. The ways of God are far greater. And to step out by faith and say, God, we're going to still trust you. And this is who we've always been, so this is who we're going to be even in the midst of the pandemic. The second thing that Heart Check reminds us to do is love people. You see, if you study the ministry of Jesus, you realize that love is loaded, that's a loaded word. And the ministry of Jesus, if you realize it, it, at the core was all about love. You take love away from Christianity and all you have is a set of rules and regulations. And that's not gonna change the world, but love does. And so I wanna just take you into the greatest night in human history to show you how Jesus didn't just say Love, he actually showed how to love. The night Jesus was betrayed, 
the night Jesus gave his life up for ours, he gave some instruction and he showed three different ways that love is shown. Let me show you what I mean. I'm just going to take you into John 13 and read several verses from John 13. If you have your Bible, feel free to turn there. You can go on your on Bible app or um, watch on the screen, of course. John 13, listen to this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own, so he poured into his disciples, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end of his ministry. He, he loved them deeply. Love is a very important concept. It's, this is a good way to say it. Love is a, com a commitment that you make. But it's not just because you can say words of commitment. I'd like to add uh, really a really strong word, but it's, uh, this is what the commitment means. It must be demonstrated and acted upon. And so that's what Jesus did. As you study his ministry, he always said, love, above and beyond. But then he went to the extent to show it. And I want to show you how, how he did this. And love is, is not just a feeling. Frankly, love is something that even when you lose that loving feeling, you can still love because it's something that can be acted upon. Like I said last week, trust, trusting God is a verb. You could almost say the exact same outline again this week. Love is a verb. And so Jesus showed it. He demonstrated it. He acted upon his love. And I want to show you how he did that. It's really beautiful. To give you the backdrop as I go to the very next verse, uh, two verses later. In that culture, in first century uh, Jewish culture, I, there was a concept of if you have somebody in your family who serves and cares and maybe a servant that's a part of your household, or if you're the least of these in your home, you would be the one that you would always serve. You would, if somebody walked into your house, you realize there weren't paved roads in that day. The Roman world had just started to pave roads or to, to start to put roads out, but they were dirty and dusty. So when you walk with your sandals on, you're getting all this grime and gunk. And, and to be real frank, the animals, they kind of left some droppings behind as well. And so there was, it was really not clean. So you would walk into people's homes and your feet were not clean. And so the servant would come, and the, it was customary to wash the people's feet. And so this night, as we see Jesus talk about being the festival, uh, for the Passover, they are going to start by washing feet. And so Jesus says, I want to wash your feet. And they're like, what? I mean, everybody just stood there saying, are you kidding me? And Jesus said, hey, if you guys aren't going to serve, I, I want to show you what it means to love, is what he's saying here. Verse 4. So Jesus got up from the meal, and instead of expecting somebody else to serve, Jesus took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. So the first thing we see that love does, love serves. Love says, I'm here to serve you. I want what is best for you. It's a humble spirit pushing away the pride. I almost wonder if the other disciples didn't want to wash feet because it's humbling and their pride maybe got in the way. But Jesus just humbly said, how can I serve you? I want you to be comfortable. I want this house to be clean and comfortable for this dinner. So I'm going to start by washing your feet. 
Of course, Peter, who was filled with pride, said, you can't wash my feet. That's not, no, no, you're better than that. Get up, you're better than that. And Jesus said, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part of what I'm trying to do here. Because Jesus was saying, love serves. That's what we're doing as a church. We're serving those who are in grave need right now. And what a privilege it is to be a part of the ministry of what Jesus is doing. Love just serves. A second thing that we, we see, uh, and, and I love this because this verse, uh, Jesus looks at them and he says uh, a couple of verses later, do you understand what I have done for you? Verse 12 there. Do you understand what I have done for you? Jesus was saying, I'm changing the paradigm of how we live in this world. Don't just talk about loving people. Show it. Do you understand the gravity of what I've just done? I have served you so that you now will serve others. And so that's what we're called to do. And so we're going to do it. That's what we've been doing. That's what we're going to keep doing. Which leads to a second thing as, as you look at uh, a couple of verses later, jumping down to verse 20. The second thing that Jesus talks about and then shows us is that love accepts. Love doesn't just serve. Love accepts. Wait a minute, what am I saying here? Love accepts, like, what about people who smell bad? What about people who just, they're just annoying? What about people who are different from me? What about people who believe differently from me? Look at what Jesus says, verse 20. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. Uh, do you realize what's happening here in verse 20? Who's in the room this night? Well, his disciples are. One of those disciples believes something contrary to what Jesus believed in this moment. His name was Judas Iscariot, and he had an agenda to overthrow Rome. He had an agenda to force the hand of Jesus to bring forth the, the, the great awakening in which we finally, our kingdom comes. We do it by force. And Jesus was talking to all of his disciples. He was still accepting, and I'll prove it to you in just a minute. He was still accepting Judas. And I'll show you how in just a minute when we get to the very next point. But I want to talk about accepting for a minute because accepting is a hard thing to do especially during an election season. It is extremely hard to accept what other people are saying contrary to your candidate. But love accepts. Love doesn't necessarily have to say, I agree with everything you say. But love starts with the premise that even though we disagree and we're on different opinions of, on this particular topic, you're still made in the image of God. And this is what's impossible to say out loud, but it's true. God loves your opponent. And the people on the other side of your voting opinions, as much as he loves you. What? That's not even possible. There's no way God loves the other side. There's no way. But that's what acceptance is. Acceptance meets at the, the core essence of humanity and says, I'm going to love you as you are so that we can have some civil conversation so that we can grow together. 
Think about fishing. Jesus was a, a beautiful fisherman, and, and of course, many of his disciples were. And many times he says, cast your nets on the other side, and you bring the fish in. Notice, every one of those fish are not yet filleted. You don't clean the fish before you catch them. You catch them as they are, scales and all, bones that are dangerous and all, smelly and all. Then you fix things up. I'm not saying fillet your enemy, <laughs> but I am saying you meet them where you're at and you let Jesus clean them. I talked about it last week, trusting God. When you step forward in faith, you're trusting that God is going to do a mighty work. I've been around so many people who I, who I have differences of opinion with, but I've loved when I enter into the conversation knowing that, boy, this person will probably betray me like Judas betrayed Jesus. But I'm still going to start with the baseline of loving them and accepting them as a human being first. And then we're going to be cleaned together. And we're going to let the Lord through the... I'm trusting that God is going to bring healing in this moment. You just heard us talk about we have uh, coming up the LGBTQ conversation that we're going to have during the equipping weekend next weekend. Sign up for it. Come to it. Many of you have asked the question, why don't you preach against, uh, you know, the same-sex uh, attractions or same-sex marriage? Why don't you preach against LGBTQ? Here's why I don't. Because that's not accepting a person where they're at first. All that does is bring condemnation. Everybody stands on this issue somewhere. Everybody has an opinion by now. So it's, I believe we're at a point now as a culture that it's not a monologue moment. We are at a point where it's a dialogue moment. And so I talk about LGBTQ on conversation a lot in a circle where they have a chance to ask me questions and I have them a chance to ask questions. And I have seen far more transformation through dialogue because we start with a premise, I'm going to accept you as a person who's made in the image of God and loved by God. So I'm going to honor you and value you and love you as you are so that we can together seek truth. Because the ministry of Jesus, it, it starts right off in John chapter 1. Look at it for yourself. Jesus came into this world in ministry filled with grace and truth. Notice he starts with grace. I'm going to start with accepting you where you are at so that I can love you, get to know you, understand your story. Understand what makes you tick, why you cry, why you laugh. What is, who is, who are you? Where have you been wounded? So that we can have a wonderful conversation and grow together. That never happens when you don't accept them first. For simply being a person, a fellow human being with you. If we were to start from that premise like Jesus did with his disciples, because Jesus, I'm convinced there came a point in his ministry where he knew it, it, the, one of my disciples is going to absolutely betray me. But here's what's so fascinating about the ministry of Jesus and why I can say he accepted. Because we watch, as I turn the page to uh, uh, just um, one more, a couple of verses down, verse 21 and verse 26. You see, Jesus is now showing that he can forgive someone who betrays, forgive somebody who is contrary to him. That's really the third part of love. When I accept you, I'm going to be hurt by you if we have differences of opinion, but I'm going to have a spirit of forgiveness because love forgives. Let me show you why I say that. Verse 21, Jesus at that dinner, so it's a Passover meal, 
and they're, they're going through the, the ritual of just like we were singing the song about I'm called out of Egypt. Well, th- that song comes from history where God's children were in slavery and they were brought out of Egypt. And so for thousands of years now, we've celebrated every year this Passover where the, the, the Passover death angel passed over Israel and gave blessing over the, because the blood was covering this. And that sounds terrible and weird if you haven't ever heard the story before, but I don't have time to share it. But this is an incredible story of remembering how good God is. And so you have this dinner together every year called Passover. Listen to how it's worded. Jesus is having a wonderful meal and remembering the Egyptian story of freedom as the children of God were brought out of there. One of you, Jesus says, verse 21, is going to betray me. Keep in mind, this was right after he says, except if I've sent somebody to you and you've got this crazy person in your midst, they're in front of you. Love them where they're at. And Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. The very next verse, jumping down to verse 26. It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread. And when I have dipped it in the dish, then I expect that you'll eat it, he he goes on to say. One of you is going to betray me. So Jesus knows there's somebody who's contrary to his agenda in his midst. And yet... He takes what's called a morsel. See, during the meal, there was this, you would take the bitter herbs and you would take some bread and you would put it together and it was called a morsel and you would dip it. And every one of these had symbolic meaning to remembering the Egyptian freedom out of of slavery. And they dip this and you hand it to someone. Now, most people believe this was the point in in the meal where you're reclining. Reclining is where you just lean back and you're leaning on the people next to you. And this is an incredible image. If, you, if you've ever seen the Da Vinci picture of, of the Last Supper, you, people always laugh like, did they pose for that picture? It's a very strong indication that they actually did it this way. It's called the triclinium, where you actually don't sit on this side because the servants can come and bring food this way. So they were sitting real close to each other. They were not socially distanced. And they leaned into each other. And tradition states that Judas is likely the one who Jesus was leaning on. In essence saying, I know you're going to betray me. And he even called it out. One of you is going to betray me. It's the one who I give this to. And it's the belief that it wasn't way down there. Like if I knew somebody was going to betray me, I'd put them at the end of the table so they don't stab me in the back. But he doesn't say he threw the food at them. It says, the one whom I dip and hand it to. So Judas was either at his left or his right. Jesus was very likely leaning on the person who was about to literally send him to his death. It's as as if Jesus was saying, I know we have our differences, but I forgive you. And I know you're about to kill me, but I love you anyway. It's as if Jesus, in dipping of that morsel, handing it to him, was saying, one last opportunity, my friend. One last opportunity. You see, love accepts people where they're at, even if they're contrary to you, and forgives them when they hurt you. And I know every time, and you hear us around here, we talk about forgiveness a lot. Why? Because we're in the business of hurting each other nowadays. So we need to be reminded 70 times, 70 times to forgive again. And I know it hurts. I know it's so easy to say in these moments, but if you only knew what that person did to me, 
Hear me. I'm saying through heart check, trust God. You don't have to. There's no command to trust people who have hurt you. But there is a command to accept them and forgive them. You see, forgiveness is giving them to God instead of you carrying the burden. And I believe Jesus did that in that very moment when he dipped that morsel and he, one of you is going to betray me. It's the person I hand this to. And of course, the disciples were all freaked out and the story is, is amazing. If you've not read it, go to John 13, 14, 15 and read it for yourself. It's so rich. You see, Jesus didn't just say love. He, he demonstrated love. He gave love away. And that's all he's asking us to be a people to do, to give that love to everyone and anyone that we are called and to our circle of influence. And we've got some incredible influence as a church. And so again, as I've said, to whom much is given, much is required. As I look at just a few verses later, Jesus then said to his disciples, after Judas Iscariot left the room, he said, a new command I give you. I know there's 700 commands that you've read in the Old Testament. You've memorized all the commands. But I, I want to give you a new command. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, the whole world will know. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, it, it is, let's be honest, so much easier to hold a grudge. <laughs> it is so much easier to yell at the other side of the aisle in politics. It is actually fun to yell about politics. It is. It's fun to yell at people who you think are wrong. <laughs> That's the easy way to go. What I'm calling you to is not coming from me. It's coming from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he calls us to step higher than the ways of the world, to get out of the fray of the fights, because it does feel good. The flesh feels good when you take a swing, metaphorically, I hope, at somebody else. When you hold a grudge, when you put a wall up, when you curse somebody out, that feels good. It kind of strokes the ego. But Jesus calls us to a new command to rise above that and to demonstrate what we claim to believe, which is the ways of God, which are higher than the ways of the world. And so I invite you to join us on this journey. And here's the good news. This is, in fact, great news. As you jump ahead a couple of chapters there, there um, chapter 15, listen to how it's worded, verse 16. This is what I love about everything I've just shared. Because I know you can feel overwhelmed. Like, okay, I, I, can, I can serve. I can do dishes. That's serving. That's as far as I go. I, I can... I can accept people who are different from me, but I can't forgive. How do I possibly forgive that person who so deeply wounded me? Well, here's the good news. Jesus continues that same speech that night, verse 15, chapter 15, verse 16. He goes on to say to his disciples, I want you guys to know, you did not choose me, but I chose you. This is so great. God pursued you. He invited you into the story that we're all a part of now. And if you ever want your life to be bigger than yourself, be a part of what we're doing with Heart Check because that's what God is calling us to. I chose you to be a part of something bigger than yourself. I've rescued you, he goes on. And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. You want something to last beyond your life? Be a part of the movement of God in, in his church. This is so good. And he goes on, 
so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Notice the context. I can't stand it when preachers say, whatever you want, he'll give you. No, the context matters. Here he's saying, if you have an attitude of joining in with what God is doing and joining his movement, he'll equip you with everything you need. He'll give you anything you need to accomplish the mission. That's why I'm not afraid. We're asking for 1.5 million to bless others and to be on mission. I'm not afraid of that because he's going to equip us to do what we're doing to help others. And this is what it's great. Verse 17, this is my command, or I'm sorry, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. He will equip you. He will establish you. So he goes on, so this is my command, that you love each other, period. So this is heart check. We're set before us an opportunity to, to serve. But this is what's so great. God said, I will equip you to trust God and I will equip you to love people. And so Jesus said, I don't just say it, I don't just preach it, I live it. And that's why right now we're going to experience together communion. We're going to experience what he experienced that night of betrayal and to remember all that Jesus went through so that we can realize, wait a minute, I don't have to bear any of this burden alone. I don't have to bear the burden of trying to forgive that person or accept that person who is so radically different from me. I don't have to bear the burden of serving. He's going to equip me to do it because Jesus first sacrificed his life for us. So he said, I'm going to give you the power to do it.